Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You're about to listen to Bananas for Bonanza, episode 5, which was originally released on May 25th, 2020. This is Andy Daly. Hello. Here on this free feed, I'll be re-releasing all the back episodes of Bananas for Bonanza one every other week. If you want to hear new episodes ad-free, please subscribe to my Patreon at patreon.com slash andydaily. The entire Bananas for Bonanza archive is also waiting for you there, and you can access lots and lots of bonus content. So do that. Okay. Thank you. Enjoy. <laughs> Yeah! Bonanza, it's the finest show alive. So consult your TV guide, get your great outdoors inside. Take some ponderosa pride and forever make it right. I'm bananas for bonanza. <laughs> there he goes. Fire those pistols into the air there, mutt. I got no ceiling left. <laughs> I know. I am worried about your ceiling. Is it just you can just see the night sky through there at this point, huh? There's literally a hole for every star in the sky, perfectly placed, and I can just look at the constellations through the Swiss cheese of my ceiling. Beautiful. What a great idea. Mm. Well, folks, my internet connection is unstable, but I am perfectly stable, <laughs> and uh, we're going to soldier on through it, folks. Uh, I got to say the uh, what I say at the beginning of this show every time. Hello, friend. Come on in. The gate is open wide. And that's from the lyrics to the theme song of Bonanza, which, uh, as we, I believe, have established previously, uh, those lyrics was written to match a song that had already been written, and therefore it's it's difficult. It's a hard. It was hard. It, it sounds like it was hard work. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. 
Folks, welcome to Bananas for Bonanza with Dalton Wilcox. That's me. I'm Dalton Wilcox. I'm a real working cowboy. I am the poet laureate of the West and our nation's foremost collector and chronicler of the wit and wisdom of the West. This is episode five and episode three of Bananas for Bonanza, in which we will be discussing season one, episode five of the greatest television show in the 200-year history of televised entertainment, Bonanza. And man, oh man, this is a good one. It's a, it's a funny one. And it is a historically portentous one. This episode is titled Enter Mark Twain, in which a mysterious writer blows into Virginia City, and we don't find out until the very end who he actually is. And it turns out to be a very famous writer indeed. And just like Bonanza, we are going to try not to spill the beans about who this writer is until we get to the end so you can enjoy the experience of this episode as it was meant to be. And here to discuss this episode, enter Mark Twain. With me will be, uh, uh, well, we're going to be introducing a wonderful guest in a bit. But first, my esteemed co-hosts from the Journeyman country music legend, Mr. Mutt Taylor, and from LotsDaughters.com, Christian entrepreneur and Bonanza super fan, Mrs. Amy Sleverson. <laughs> enter Mutt. Taylor, hell. <laughs> and Enter I wanted to tell Taylor. you guys that I start as a result of this episode, I started my own blog. Oh no! Oh, you did? Yes. And it's um, it's because I've been um, a lot of times I I listen for God's messages to me, and I started getting messages from Michael Landon, and I oh. I'm getting he's channeling messages. So I'm just letting him write through me. Oh, is he doing like blog. an information superhighway to heaven where he'll email you or something like that? No, 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 no. I just, I just type, and it, it's crazy because usually I only, I don't type very well. But this, with Michael at the helm, I just, it's like fifty words per minute and only seventy-five percent accuracy. <laughs> Michael at the helm. Yeah. That would be a that would be a good TV show. Yeah, he, he was and, a. And he loved. No, my, I was gonna say, he loved my my product line. Oh, Michael oh, at does. the helm could be a submarine movie. Yeah, or TV right. show. Uh, now, Michael Landon, he played an angel on that Highway to Heaven, did he not? He sure did. Yes. Yeah. And so, do you believe that is the reason that uh, he is able to communicate with you from the bound? For sure, and that's why he's given such a small role in most of the episodes on Bonanza because of his humility, and he, you you don't know that he's the son of God, and but you find you're going to find out. Whoa, folks! You heard it here first. Uh, uh, Michael Landon is the son of God. That's big news. We just made news yeah. on this podcast. Wow. This is like a reboot of Highway to Heaven, where you're like Victor French, the uh, earthbound uh, sort of interpreter for the angel, Michael Landon. And that's a heavy responsibility. How are you dealing with that? Well, I just think it's all about, you know, am I uh, being a hashtag girl boss and just getting right. out there and, you know, the Ponderosa which is the state of Israel and it, the yeah. surrounding tribes of, uh, of, of, of Virginia city and Carson city. Uh -huh. Those, I just need to spread the word. All right. Well, good. Now, uh, guys, we should say a little bit, just a little bit of housekeeping and whatnot that, uh, 
Well, we we recorded the first a uh, couple episodes of this podcast a while ago, back when people was meeting face to face. And now it's been quite a long time. These two episodes have aired already, and now we are recording the third. I want to ask you guys how your lives have changed since you've become uh, tremendous podcast superstars, as as have I. Have you have people been recognizing your voice and uh, and uh, coming around your house to try and get your autograph and whatnot? Oh, sure. You know, I can't walk the streets pretty much anymore. And when they say shelter at home, we know that I live in the tractor trailer of my big rig. So I can take my home right. anywhere I want. I've somehow gamed the systems. Bit of a loophole. And I have to say I'm not complaining. So hey, that's a good idea. I didn't think of that. Shelter at home, but bring your home with you like the tortoise. Absolutely. And shoot holes in your ceiling so you get a little bit of shower when it rains. Because otherwise I got no indoor plumbing. Now, right. I went into a B. Dalton, as we talk about quite a bit on this show. Just to order up myself. I picked up Joel Osteen's uh, Ass Full of Champagne oh, and Not a Cork in Sight, his oh, book on the prosperity gospel. Yeah, you know what I'm talking so about. It's so good. Ass mm-hmm. Full of Champagne and Not a Cork in Sight? Yeah, it's a bestseller of his that has yet to sell the best, but it's on its way, let me tell you that much. That's oh, a good title, so but it's a, good. Little, it's a little too short for my I, I know what you see. I thought about that when I saw it. And yep. so uh, I says to the uh, cashier gal there at the counter, uh, can, can, I, can I get this in a hardback instead on a Kindle or a tape, you know? And yep. she hands it to me, and someone recognized my voice right away. Says, "You're Mutt Taylor from that Bananas for Bananza podcast." Oh, that was really something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Amy? Have you have you noticed I, people? My are, husband, just... my husband signed up to be in my downline, so he's selling products too. Hey, um, all right. We have a new one. It's called um, it's a it's a tiered necklace that you give to your loved one, your wife. So when she's on her when she's in her unclean state, uh-huh. um, you don't you you keep a distance and don't try to touch her. So this but, is a necklace that she only wears when she's in her unclean state. She just puts yes, it on. Yes. And then yes. you, you and see her and gorgeous. you know. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's brass with satin gold overlay, nickel free, made in China. Oh, beautiful. Mm-hmm. We should explain. You've got a multi-level marketing uh, yes. operation there where you sell Bible-themed uh, home goods and whatnot. And uh, it's, it's lesser-known quotes from the Bible just because some of the more popular ones are I assume are copyrighted by my mega church because they have a gift shop and I just don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so you've gone down to the, to the lesser known quotes, but it's yeah. all still Bible stuff. It's all equally oh, good. Still so Bible equally stuff. the word of God. On my, on my two tiered necklace um, is from Leviticus. Thou shall not approach unto a woman to uncover her nakedness as long as she is put apart for her uncleanliness. And that's when you have your period. And it's 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 real small, but yeah. the detail work. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Wait, so can you Man, you I'm can sure. take a woman's nakedness as long as she's clean? Is that what it's saying? Well, you should not know. You shall not approach unto a woman to uncover her nakedness as long as she is put apart for her and it's a little unclear but i just wear uh, it all the time just to be sure yeah put apart for her uncleanliness that is a that's a lovely way to put it i'm gonna <laughs> well, i'm gonna ask that of my it's not nice it's yeah. not nice and i even i i mean it's not necessarily for the same 
Bible quote, but um, it's for one of the chapters from the Apocalypse, from the Revelations, the 22nd book of Revelations, where the seven-headed uh, dragon. I didn't realize. I didn't realize it went into 22 books. Oh, yeah. 22 chapters. Chapters of And I have a pillow. It's a throw pillow, and it has 18-inch square. It includes the pillow insert. And um, you can sit on that when you're you're unclean. Wow. 22 chapters. That's almost as much as a Tom Clancy. So maybe I should start reading these. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. Oh, there's so, I mean, there's just twists and turns. You don't know which way it's going to end up. (laughs) <laughs> i think you've got a good you got a good marketing slogan you just stumbled upon there that's you right said, you can sit on that i like that and you can yeah yes. you can hey yeah. hey fonzie that's right hey sit on it yeah right <laughs> he was a devout christian yeah fonzie was are you saying fonzie or winkler both okay yeah i agree with that uh, he had magical powers, just like Jesus, too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they used yeah. to tell one another to sit on and on that show. Uh, I don't want to get too far into reminiscing, but I I recently told somebody to, uh, I told him, up your nose with a rubber hose. Uh, <laughs> and it was, he took it terribly, and we had an awful route. Hey, now, anyways, uh, oh, by the way, before we get, before we introduce our guest, I just want to apologize to you guys uh, that I am covered in blood. Uh, I wondered. Very polite of you not to mention. We are, we're seeing one another over the uh, computer, and I am, uh, uh, I've got blood on my hat and on my vest and on my shirt. Everything but, okay? Uh, I thought you were transubstantiating. Yeah, I wasn't going to try to uncover your nakedness, let me tell you that much. <laughs> right, right. No, no, no. But the good news is I got internet at the house, finally, uh, here at the ranch. So now I'm, I'm, I'm at my ranch outside of Tombstone, Arizona, and uh, it's uh, everything is uh, fine now. And I do have internet, but the fellow who put it in turned out to be a mummy. No. Uh, yeah. Ain't that it, always the way. Yeah. Oh, no. Yep. He turned out to be a mummy talking about, oh, we're going to invoice you and all this stuff. And oh, <laughs> no. Jeez. Now, how did you know he was a mummy? He had some toilet paper hanging out the back of his trousers or what? No, sir. I mean, I wish it was that easy. I, you know, the way they depict mummies in the movies are all wrapped up in bandages and whatnot. But, it, it, you know, this fellow just came to me in the in the uniform of the cable company. And that's all. Oh, he just looked man. to all the world like a cable man and installed cable just like a cable man. That's just when you like know. A, yeah. Well, that started, that began my concerns. I says, he's almost too good. This he's all changed with the, uh, like a cable man. With the Brendan Fraser mummies, because they ain't come wrapped in bandages or toilet paper and whatnot. They come, you know, as a scarab beetle or just a, a normal looking man like Arnold Vosloo, the actor who played the mummy. I'm big into that film because it's a lot <laughs> in the desert. Yeah, and yeah, he has yeah. guns. That's right. Yeah. It does have guns. Well, I had to dispatch with that mummy, and that was a difficult way to start my morning. Uh, <sighs> but I'll tell you, he was a great cable installer. All right. Well, let us introduce our guest, ladies. Oh, by the way, uh, Brian, Brian, if you're on, uh, you're going to need to edit out all that stuff about about the mummy, because uh, as I've said on this podcast many times, Earwolf and Stitchers has made it clear to me that this is a podcast about Bonanza and never about monster slaughtering. Oh, by the way, hey, Brian, 
I don't know if he's on there, but that I don't, I don't believe they edited that content out of the first two episodes. I listened to him back, and there I am talking about killing monsters. I think that was supposed to have been edited out. You don't All suppose right. Brian's a monster. <gasps> I, I haven't oh even begun to gosh. contemplate Brian's various agenda. I am concerned about it. Believe me, keep an eye on him. Even though I've never seen him in real life, he's just a, a box with his name in it on this on the computers. Anyways, uh, yeah, we're on the computers now, and I'm dying to find out how this fella got his hands on a computer to join us, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome. Um, this is a real thrill for me. Uh, this is another time we get to have a, a dear, dear friend on the show, just like Russell Shine. <laughs> But uh, this is very exciting, ladies and gentlemen. This fella is a real working cowboy. Goes back to the old days of the cattle drive across the, the wagon trails, this old fella. He is known as the grandfather of cowboy poetry. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Bartleby Mulcahy. Hey, Bartleby. Oh, hey there. How are you? Nice to see you. Oh, such as it is. <laughs> such as it is. Oh. Yeah, Bartleby. Oh. Bartleby, where are you? Where are I wish I wish we could be face to face, but they've there's a they say there's at least a million of these coronaviruses. Yeah, everybody there. says I've, I've everybody says we need to be practicing social distancing. I say I've been doing that ever since my parents kicked me out seventy six years ago. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You've been You've been a lone wolf Just ever since. Just up here in the right mountains, there, you know. Well, not right now per se, but you know. You come down from yes, the mountains. Yes, I'm in a local this, motel. I don't know how many there are, but this one's the sixth one. Does it just say motel on it's, it? Motel number six. Oh, oh, I see. Motel six. It's motel six. Wait, I don't know. Uh -huh. Yeah, there's. I don't get. What's it. that? Well, there's there's uh there's thousands of motels. motels. There's a lot of motels, and this is the sixth one. Okay, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's the sixth of all the I motels. I, I guess that's interesting. Well, that sounds historic. So, uh, Bartleby, uh, you're down there using their Wi-Fi. I was going to ask, how come your parents kicked you out? I, this isn't that kind of podcast where we go in depth into your past life, but I'm. Yep, that piqued my curiosity. Well, they didn't give me a lot of reasons, but it was my it was my okay. seventh birthday. Oh, oh, I see. And they and that's how it they used said to be. good luck, and Boy. they gave me a folding knife, and off I went. Did you have the mark of the demon? I don't think so. If I did, I never saw it. Oh, well, this they, they have right. they well, have great uh, cereal and great croissants here in the. In the Wi-Fi room, they got that cereal that comes out of a oh, big boy. plastic bin. Yeah, you open you just up like a pull it out machine. and it comes yeah. pouring out as That's, much as uh, you want. Then, then you're okay. You're okay. I filled a couple bags and put them Isn't out on wild? my mule's back. Hot damn! Well, uh, all right, Bartleby. So, uh, how have you been? We haven't talked well, to you. Oh, in a while, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm 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 making my way in the world, and I'm trying to use this time to better myself and learn new skills. You know, I want to come out of this time with something new in my life. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? 
Okay, well now you're you. We just uh, determined you're 83 yeah. years old. They kicked you out when you were seven. That was 76 years ago. You're an 83 year old man. So I guess the question is, can you teach an old dog new tricks? That's what you're trying to answer for yourself. What kind of tricks are you trying to learn well, up there? Well, I've been mouth? working on my sand painting. Are you familiar? Yeah, are sand you familiar painting? with sand painting? Hell no. Well, what is it? Take a couple of panes of glass and you fill sand in between, and then you take some needles and you make a painting in there with the sand, depending on what colors it is and how you can draw the sand out and so forth. So I, I mostly paint birds against the sunset. You could have that made in China instead. Ooh, Ooh. yeah. Well, uh. I guess I could, but then what would I be learning? Well, you get you would be learning how to um, have a gatherings, and then you could do multiple productions of them, and then people would be spreading spreading more of more of what you made. Or maybe I maybe I will. You'd be learning importing. Oh yes. oh oh oh. Yeah, Barnaby, I thought you was going to tell me that you're, you know, learning uh, hatchet throwing or how to hogtie different kinds of animals you never hogtied before or, or trick shots with a pistol or something I, like I, that. Uh, the idea of you sitting up there in the mountains moving sand around with a needle breaks my heart. I'm well, you, you, right get to a certain, you get to a certain point in life and you wonder, what's my, what's my legacy? So... Sand What's your <laughs> I don't know, Bartleby. I think your legacy is cowboy poetry. Oh, right. That Personally, too. You've sure. written some real. You've written some corkers. Get, tell us just just the titles of some of your some of your most famous uh, cowboy poems. You remember any any of your real? Sure. people could. Well, you could always. One of the early ones I had published was "There Goes a Cactus." And there goes you. Yep. And there goes a cactus. Yeah. And there goes you. And then another one was look out below. You might twist your ankle. <laughs> yep. I remember that one. That was a great one. That was all about just go- walking uh, amongst rocks. Yeah. Things. I mean, you never know because you lose your footing out here and you fall and you sprain your ankle. And all of a sudden, you're starving to yep. death, and nobody knows it because nobody cares. Yep. What, nobody cares. Are. Nobody knew you were going into the desert. Nobody's waiting for you to come but back. But you're just being tested. Mm-hmm. You're just being tested by God. If anything bad happens, he'll come get you at some point. But sometimes it's not until you're dead. Well, that... Oh... There's a great many cowboys, I'd say probably a couple thousand a year, who die of a simple sprain. Yes, it's a yes. common problem yeah. in the cowboy life. Yes. Yep. Sprain your ankle walking on a rock, and then that's it. You just fall to the ground, and you'll be starved to death within an hour. It's three. It's I've second it on the list of times. deaths in the cowboy community. It's What's snake bites, snake Sna- bites, sprained ankles, and insurance fraud. Oh, God. Yeah, I lost a good. They die of insurance fraud. I lost a good fraud. deal of friends to insurance fraud. Yep. Yeah. 
I haven't figured out how it works, yeah. but I do think they, you can make a lot of money. Do they get aluminum siding put in when they don't need it? I haven't heard that scam before, but I, I could see how that would be. Aluminum siding? You're saying aluminum siding, unnecessary aluminum siding it's on the side of your house? Fraud. Something that yeah, happens? Yeah, that you... Is that insurance yeah, you fraud? you lie, and you say that your your house is unstable, when in fact it's brick, and brick doesn't chip. Oh, yeah. And then... Well, I've got, on my ranch, I've got, obviously it's a wood frame, and then it's it's brick, and then I've got five, six, seven, eight layers of aluminum siding on there. Oh. Uh, and I, it's going to be another... Three months before I need to put another layer of aluminum siding on top of the. Of yeah, you all know I live in my all of tractor trailer, so I put aluminum siding around the entire yeah. thing, including the windshield. I, I live you outdoors. Got you got to. But given the choice between exposed brick and aluminum siding, I would say aesthetically the aluminum siding makes much more sense. It's classy. There's n- nobody wants to look at that no. ugly brick. Nobody yeah. wants to look at Hideous goddamn bricks. Uh, are you are living outside now? I don't think I realize that. You don't have a structure? Not unless I build one for the room. night, in which case it's mostly gone so, by morning. <laughs> what are you building your structures out of? Then they don't last a whole Whatever night. Whatever materials I have at hand, whether it be scrub brush, tarpaulins that I brought from some local store, or maybe a couple uh-huh. of leaves and my old trusty blanket. Well, are you still using that folding knife your parents gave you when they kicked you out? Yes, I am. It doesn't I'm fold sure anymore. That's a real man. No. Oh, no? Is it stuck? I guess it's, it's stuck, stuck open. No, it's stuck, stuck closed. Oh, what do you use it for? Mostly then? holding things down. Uh-huh, so it's like mm-hmm. a paperweight? Like a pie of deadfall. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of course. Oh, oh, oh. old Paiutes. Yeah. Well, that she's making reference to the last episode of Bonanza that we covered on this show, the Paiute War. That was a good one. Man, <laughs> did we get to see some Indians die in that one. I'm uh, sorry. Native American savages. Uh, fell to, to the guns of the white man. And this episode, wait, should we start talking about Enter Mark Twain? It. This one aired on, uh, was it October the 10th of 1959? Do you remember where you were, Bartleby, on that day? You're an old man. I believe I was somewhere in the eastern Sierras, since that's mostly where I've been all this time. Pretty much all your life. Must have been out there. Well, this is a great episode. Did you watch Bonanza when it was on there, Bartleby? I didn't have a television. I went to one taping. What? You, you, I got paid. You went I to got a t- paid. Yeah, they tried to do a live studio audience, and they paid us seventy-five smackaroonies to sit and laugh when it was appropriate. But tonally, they felt it was off, so they never aired that episode. That's right. Now I heard about that. They'd set up bleachers outside, and they had a warm-up cowboy come out before the show. Yeah, he would do rope tricks and hmm. play his harmonica. Hmm. Did they have a, a horse wow. audience, too, of horses to watch so they can enjoy well, it was, horses? Well, it was near the corral, but some of the horses, I have to say, had a hard time paying attention. 
But that cowboy got everybody yeah. riled up. He would stand up there in the stands and say, who wants beans? Who can sing? He, who can I, sing Skip to Malou the best? I bet he was so funnier you could than anything be, on the show. He was pretty funny. <laughs> if you can sing Skip to Malou the best out of everybody in the audience, you got a can of beans? Yeah, yeah. It was a that, competition. Man. He'd shoot that can of beans with a can wow. of beans cannon, right? Yes, yes. He would stand down front, and he would crank up the old bean cannon, and then you'd open your mouth, and he'd pour the beans into the cannon and fire those beans right into somebody's mouth. Hmm. Oh, it was fun. Wow. I got a can of beans cannon. I only use it when the sheriff hmm. comes around. I just okay, I keep it up in the turret up at, up at the top of the ranch, and I just... Uh, fire cans of beans, but I fire the cans. It sounds like this fellow was just firing the beans. Well, the velocity at which those cans would have traveled, he could have taken somebody's head yeah. off. But that's why you, well, that's exactly you sign that. a waiver. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, as it was, just firing the beans, the guy next to me got his cheek ripped out. <gasps> oh, are they man. cooked beans or are they how about raw? How about having to... They were canned. So okay. it could go either way. Flavors. Mm. Canned baked beans, maybe. Can you imagine having to say that for the rest of your life? What happened to your cheek? I had it ripped off at a live taping of Bonanza when the warm-up cowboy shot beans out of a cannon. Yeah, man. All that's a too good, that's a good introductory go story. People would think you were quite a character. I suppose so. I don't know. I might come up with a convenient lie that just takes a less time to explain. Like, for instance, maybe I thought I was chewing on chewing tobacco. It turned out to be dynamite. <laughs> End of conversation. Fair enough. Right? It's just, it but raises fewer <laughs> questions. That's what you should yeah. never ask questions in that, in the city. In, in that was the main lesson of the, of the episode is that if, if you go to Virginia city, don't ask don't ask, don't tell. Don't you do you know? Oh yeah. Oh, That's keep a keep yourself. Keep it to yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you're making a good transition into the into this episode because that's just what happens in the very first scene of the of this episode enter Mark Twain. A, a fella shows up in Virginia City and starts talking to the marshal, and he's asking, where's the newspaper? And he's a real outgoing, friendly, charming fella, and the marshal tells him, people around here mind their own yes. business. Don't ask questions, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. And meantime, the the uh, little Joe is in a fight at the Bucket of Blood Saloon, and he keeps rolling out, and it's a, boy, it's an active scene. It's a whimsical scene. You see little Joe in a fight there, rolling out onto the onto the road. Well, he, he refused good. to give up. He kept, he kept going back in there to try to take those fellas down, whatever they were saying to him, and then they would throw him out, and he'd go back in and back out and in and out. Nothing better than a little of the yep. old in and out. Violence is so funny uh, sometimes. And it's a real lesson of this episode oh, yes. that violence works because Adam just straight up punches Josh or Samuel Clemens or whatever that fellow's name is. I never was clear. And he got yeah, him to change yeah. his mind. So it's a good reminder that violence solves everything it sure does it sure does uh and and we're gonna you know what i'm realizing somehow somehow we've managed to damn it we managed to 
do half of this podcast already, and we didn't even start hardly talking about the episode. This is a real problem, guys. We got to have more. Maybe we should say, but we're going to go ahead. Yep. That we that we say a prayer. We ask for Jesus Christ to direct our thoughts. That we stay focused on Bonanza. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Next. In the next episode of this, we're going to get, we're going to, not going to talk about anything. We're going to say, bang, scene one, and we're going to just devote all our time. But that we've, we've squandered. Anyways, point of the matter is we got to take a quick break. Okay. Uh, so we're, we're going already? to take a break, and when we come back. I just, already? What, what's I that? Just, I feel like, I, all right. Yeah, I feel that way, too. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're not going to waste any damn time. We're going to talk about episode five, uh, season one, Bonanza, enter Mark Twain. So uh, listen to these commercials, buy these products, and come on back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to Bananas for Bonanza. I don't know how you spent that commercial break, but we spent it praying. Uh, thank you, Amy Slaverson. Yeah. She led us into prayer to uh, give us the strength to next time start talking about the episode sooner. In the and it's yeah. worth mentioning well, that it's 12 hours later. Yeah. That was a long prayer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, uh, I, hopefully they'll, they'll edit down the commercial break so it's not 12 hours, but we did take it. That was a 12-hour How are you holding up? We're out of cereal. Oh, they're out of cereal now at the at the sixth motel. Well, that's too bad. All right. Yes, did you have something to say there? Uh, well, I, sorry, Mr. I went Slaverson? a little long. I just I I think I had too much of my. I I also one of the products I sell is canned communion wine. It's the transubstantiated blood of Christ, and once you have it's In pretty high. It's nineteen percent alcohol, so. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize you. I didn't realize you was drunk on Jesus. But all right, that makes sense. I, I'm, I, man, I can't hold anything now. I've been anointed with so much oils. I'm very slippery. All right. Well, but let's get it. I got my notes. I can hold my notes here. Man, I can't believe how much anointing just happened over those twelve hours. All right. 
So, anyways, this fella, we understand he's a newspaper writer, and he is in Virginia City, and he's been hired by uh, by the newspaper out here. The the well, what do they call it? The trust. Tr- I forget what. The, but anyways, he the territorial something or other. He come in to the offices of the newspaper, and the fella's happy to see him, right? Because he's heard of him before. This is, and he tells him his name is Samuel Clemens. But he's for some reason he's going to write under the pseudonym Josh. <laughs> one one name he's going to write under under the name of Josh. See, he don't look nothing and, like uh, the Samuel Clemens we know and love. He's dirty and unshaven. He looks like a old prospector. Well, he says he's a failed prospector, and now uh, he's given up on prospecting, and now he's just going to be a newspaper writer. But I don't know what you're talking about. I never heard of him, no, no Samuel Clemens. I don't know. I don't know who this fellow is going to yeah, turn out it's, to be. It's what you call a reach around. <laughs> what is? <laughs> when they, when you what, say it, what is when what you, you think, call a reach around? You think it's going to be one thing, and it's not. It's something. Oh, it's yes. something else. Okay. Yeah, I thought this was just the story of a fellow named Samuel Clemens who's a right, but then they there's a yeah. hell of a twist at the end. All right, so now uh, after that scene, now we finally get to see Little Joe and Haas, and this is a great scene. They they it's very comical. This episode is like I think it's six different times that the Cartwrights have to try and run somebody off of the Ponderosa. There's so many people hanging out on the Ponderosa in this episode, and it's all generally all four of them get on a horse and ride out there and go, what are you doing on our land? Yeah, why didn't they build a and wall? And I kept thinking. I thought they did a good job of emphasizing fire safety every time. I thought that with you, <laughs> yes, I did. thought you were the guy with the fire. I did, too. I had that feeling, too. I said, look, Barnaby Mulcahy's in this I thought episode. it was me as well. Did, maybe it was. Yeah. You were at a taping. Could have been. I saw a soul brother there when I watched it. A soul brother. Well, it happens two times in this episode. This is the first time that, that the Cartwrights say, now make sure to put out your fire. And then later they say it again, make sure to put out your fire. Now that's two times. So you know fire is important to this episode. And, and a third event is coming up that has to do with fire. Right. right? That's how I started the Nacogdoche fire up in... The Eastern Sierras back in 78, I forgot to put my fire out. Next thing I knew, 11,000 acres was up in flames. Bartleby, you swore me to secrecy on that a long time ago, and now you're just going to blab about it? I would have told you. Statute of limitations. I know the guy that started that. It's it's the rule of three in Bonanza, just like in the Bible. One, two, and then the kicker. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's very important in the Bible, and on the Ponderosa. Well, uh, yep, so about this old man. Now, this old man, before he takes off, he sees somebody. He sees (gasps) a person. He sees a figure in the woods, and he assumes, like anybody would, that it is the spirit of a dead engine. And he goes into town, and uh, is that the very next thing that happens? Oh, we learned at some point, oh, yeah, there's a judge. I forgot to tell you about a judge. We meet a judge and his wife, who was in the chorus of a traveling girly show? We I, I don't just I don't chorus. know a lot about writing for television, but I found it strange yeah. that this was only episode five of the program, and it was a veritable yeah. constant parade of new characters. <laughs> I couldn't tell who the episode was about for the most part. They pretty much kicked off the entire show doing that first episode right out of the gate. We got a nerd. 
yeah uh, you know well that was episode three but uh, it stands that now this yep. gal this gal from the girly show she looked a lot like sharon stone y'all notice that oh yeah i think it was sharon Might stone's grandma and uh she's got a weird thing where she her she and her husband will ride into town in a in a carriage and then he'll go conduct his business and she will sit there in the carriage and stare into space <laughs> for however long it takes for him to be done with i love that part because i totally relate <laughs> I, is that your relationship i like to husband? sit in the car because he says oh, i slow yeah. things down she's yeah. not <laughs> I guess you do. She's not allowed to talk to strangers, but she's allowed to have strangers talk to her. <laughs> oh, that did seem to be the policy. Yeah. Now, what else did we learn there? Uh, oh yeah, uh, the uh, 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 Samuel Clemens gets all washed up, and he and he looks like a completely different Real character. Uh, he goes, he goes yeah. from regular person to dude. That's what we call that kind of yeah. guy, just all dressed up like a dude. Like you say, hey, he dude. dude. Yeah. Well, now, here's where the real the real plot of this episode takes hold. A lot of it has just been goofing around. But now, Adam rides into the, into the ranch house, and he says, uh, there's some fellas in the High Valley, and they're all going to ride out and see what they're up to. And this, this is second instance of trespassers on the Ponderosa in this episode. And they ride out there, and these guys are, they've, at first I thought they had a camera, and they's making a Western Me movie. Too. But, yeah, we later learn that they are surveyors. They they claim to be prospectors. I mean, if that's your if that's your cover story, we're just thinking of mining here on your property. Oh, brother, you must be up to something worse. And then at the end of the scene, Adam says, "Look, they left behind some surveying equipment, oh. which is a piece of wood with a, some cloth nailed to it. <laughs> that's I don't know if that counts as equipment. That's how I carry my but, belongings around." Oh, on a bindle sack, do you? You got a bindle. You got a bindle. I got on a, a piece stick? of wood with a piece of cloth attached to it. Now, I would take a piece of uh -huh. wood with a piece of cloth attached to it to be a stake you'd put in the ground, as in stake your claim, as in I'm a prospector. So I'm not sure how they arrived at the logic they got to, but you know, my hat's off to them. That's a good point. Of course, I thought they might have been vampire mm. hunters out there with right. stakes of woods, and that would have been. Uh, I'd have liked to see that, but. Evidently, they're surveyors for the rail company, we'll later learn. But before that, that old man goes into the Bucket of Blood Tavern, and he's talking to uh, Samuel Clemens, this newly arrived reporter, and he starts telling him about this engine spirit he saw up on the Ponderosa. And Samuel Clemens, or Josh, as he writes as, says to himself, well, I think I'm going to write a story about that. He's going to write. He's going to have a lot of fun writing a story about some kind of strange creature roaming around the lands of the Ponderosa. Uh, and then, uh, he, yep, that happens. And then we got a scene, oh boy. Now, this is one of my favorites. Uh, because Pa and Adam are up there in the ranch house. And who comes in but our old friend Hop Singh? We haven't seen Hop Singh in like three episodes. My goodness, I love Hop Singh. I think it is a sensitive and thoughtful portrayal of a Chinaman. And uh, he's he just comes in and he's always upset. Hop Singh is always comically upset. I love him too because he's, <laughs> he's like really just a double threat. He can hop and dance and sing. You know, yeah. I mean, he's just good I, for all around entertainment. I never even thought about that. He's named that because he can both hop and sing. Man, oh man. Apparently yep. he can't. What did though. he come in to see? 
Because he'd be called off. He comes in to Sorry. say, oh, well, he just comes in with the news that uh, there's uh, all kinds of people gathering on the Ponderosa. They came up here to see the wild man of Washu, which is what Samuel Clemens interpreted that old prospector's uh, sighting to be. And wrote an article. Now, as a monster hunter, wow, how right. did you take that? Did you think I got to add another sort of creature to my roster? Oh, yeah. Ever since I've watched this episode, I have, uh, yeah, I've been on the lookout for wild men. And this guy, he's described as 10 feet tall with a wagon wheel in his <laughs> mouth. So I haven't seen that. Quite I yet. thought it was, I thought it was interesting <laughs> that they cut that scene with all the people looking for the wild man, because that, to me, that scene had a lot of potential. I mean, they kept a scene, That's they a kept a point. scene where Paul was home and then two of his boys rode up and then another boy rode up and said, let's ride out, which to me didn't seem like a fun scene. But the scene with 500 people looking for a wild man, that's that's comedy gold. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing a, a search for a wild man on the part of 500. Just who shows up? Who exactly shows up to find everybody? A wild man? 500. Like that sounds like everybody. So. Or at the very least, comedy yeah. silver. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It is uh, speculated to be silver that is under the lands of the Ponderosa that all those prospectors want to get their hands on. Uh, so you're right to say it would be comedy silver. But you're, that's another good point there. I, but I, I disagree that it's a problem, uh, Bartleby. I like it when they have these little scenes where somebody tells you exactly what they're about to do, and then you get to see them do it, and it's just no new information. It's it doubling up on information. I love I'm it. home. Him, can't get I'm home, too. Let's go somewhere else. <laughs> Yep, and then you get to watch him when these fellows oh, ride a horse. Yes. The camera, oh, yeah. the camera lingers on a horse ride for oh, a long equine time. Equine pornography. Uh huh. Slow, steady, <laughs> supple equine pornography. Yeah, that's the good stuff. Well, now I get to show you uh, the first clip I wanted to show from this <gasps> episode because. Adam gets real pissed off. He goes down to that newspaper. He's going to talk to this Josh fellow about this wild man of Washu article. And uh, he confronts him about it. And he's telling him, I want a retraction. And uh, this Samuel Clemens Josh fellow is mouthing off to him being a real wise ass. And, and I'll show you what happens here. Here we go. Now, I want that retraction tomorrow's newspaper. Well, you're making this a little difficult. Uh, you see, the Enterprise never apologizes for stories of prints. It's uh, kind of a policy. I see. Well, maybe I can help change that policy. He punched him right in the face. Now, you understand about that retraction. You, you, you'll, get your, you'll get your retraction, Mr. Carvine. Thank you. You all right, Sam? Whew. I kind of like those Carvines. Hot damn. again. Violence solved there everything, and he, he made him like him. That's what violence does. Yep. Now, that happened in uh, uh, another episode a, a little while. It's a bit of a theme on Bonanza. If you want to get somebody to like you in the rough and tumble Old West, you got to haul off and punch him in the face. That's right. It works. Amongst real men, that's when you know you can you, you can like somebody if they punch you in the face. I think and, it's uh, and that, true for women, yep. too. Everyone, every one of my lots, daughters, Employees, everyone in my downline, 
we also do fist fist fighting like a fight club yes like you just make sure that you can handle yourself in a door-to-door sales situation but uh (laughs) you know with with your full force of your arms and legs you can also get you can also get people to like you if you just give them a reach around you say yep, something. Well, I like. This I've episode. never heard that term before, but it. You know what I used to do was pretend I was going to punch somebody and then shake their hand. Oh. And when you when you yeah. think it's one thing, I didn't know that was called a reach around. But I used to give fellas a reach around all the time. <laughs> you did, huh? Oh yeah, they called me the reach around king. Yeah, yeah, no, I've I've heard you referred to as that, and I've I've generally uh I've generally defended you. I've generally come to blows over how dare well, you call instead of coming to, coming to blows, King. why not try giving somebody a reach around? It often leads to coming to blows. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we always learn a lot about Bartleby Mulcahy. <laughs> Talk to him long enough, you find out things. Uh, all right, well now. What, what next happened? Adam rides at, oh yeah, well this is when Adam, he's riding home to the Ponderosa and he finds a man wandering around on the on the property and he apprehends that man. And this appears to be perhaps the wild man of Washu. Now, uh, back at the ranch, Adam returns with this man and hands him off to Hop Singh. This is one of Hop Singh's duties. I found a random fella wandering around on the land. Clean him up. That's one of Hop Singh's duties. He's the Henry Higgins of the Ponderosa Ranch. Yeah, I guess so. And then, uh, and then the the fellows all sit down to dinner. And then I'm going to play you a hop sing scene because he's. This is just. I feel that any any person of Chinese descent would be more than proud to be associated with this scene. And I'm going to show it to you right now. Here we go. Is this it? Here we go. Hop Singh quit. Too much a foolish man. Hey, what's the matter with you? Work hard, make a fine supper, wash a dish, no time for foolish man. Now, just settle down, Hop Singh. We got enough trouble around here already. You got trouble. Hop Singh got the foolish man. Give a boy, you say wash up clean? Boy? Ain't no boy around here. Oh, Adam found some lad wandering around. Well, what'd you do with him, Hop Singh? Him no boy, him girl. <gasps> what? You go look see, please. Well, Adam, if you don't know a boy from a girl... <laughs> Shut up. Where is he? I mean she. Still in the wash house. Well, bring her in here. <laughs> no can do, boys. Burn up close. All fairly bad shape. You know, I think I'd better see what I can do about this. Maybe you just better stay right where you are. <laughs> oh, boy. That's a funny scene, isn't it? I mean, the fact that Adam can't tell a boy from a girl is serious business. <laughs> he gets made fun of, but good for that. <laughs> yeah, now little Joe seems real interested in checking out a lady washing herself. And that she doesn't have clothes, clothes on? clothes have been burned. Yeah. Oh, her clothes have been burned. Yeah. I was just glad to see that in a cast so heavily dominated by men, they introduced a new character who you could tell was going to 
be there for a long time. She'd been living on her own out there in the wild, and she was going to spend some time at the Ponderosa from now on, so it would introduce some femininity into future episodes. I, yes, the I, fifth character. I like it when women are being in service of the male storyline. Well, that's what got to be main reason you like this show. It feels she, good. Uh, it feels. I feel useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and uh, uh, boy, I, I tell you, I just love. I wish I had somebody in my life who was that Chinese who used a phrase like a foolishment, because uh, that that word it's a wonderful word. Too yeah. much foolishment. He has He's, to deal with foolishment. I since uh, that Indiana Jones film with that character short round, I ain't seen a performance as. I don't know, just as sort of uh, well-measured and careful. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Short round. How did they, why, why was that boy named Short Round? Uh, you remember? I, I don't think they ever bothered to tell you. They didn't explain no. it. My name's Short Round. All right. Fair enough. Moving on. Well, uh, oh, yeah. So she turns up. Once we get to meet her, I don't know if we meet. Oh, yeah. We learn that her name is Rosemary Lawson. They tell us her name. And then we get to hear her long story accompanied by strings all about the uh, unfortunate demise of her father and the trials and tribulations of her life. So you're right, Bartleby. We are meeting a character that we're she's got a, in. She's got a big future on the show. I also think it needs it needs to be pointed out. No doubt about it. It needs to be pointed out how good the music is on the show. Nobody can say anything without some significant kind of chord progression coming in afterwards. Well, That's I told uh, uh, Dalton before we started recording at right around 2454, they crib right from Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue. And that's no joke. If you're watching at home, check it out. Oh, yeah. That's when the comical scientist is out there looking for the, the nerd. Man. That's the third. Yeah. They're nerd this time. They got, but he and it, not only is he a nerd, but he's a little bit fay. They they brought in a a, a foppish fay nerd this time, which is a that's just hey, popping Jay. It's just it's comical. That's the second guy who's uh, not putting out his fire properly, and uh, so we know a big fire's coming. And uh, yeah, he's ridiculous, and that that comes soon. But oh, I also wanted to mention that at the very uh, at the end there, when Rosemary Lawson is getting real weepy about her dead father, Ben Cartwright goes, "Well, you've talked enough for one day," and he just he shuts her down, classic Ben Cartwright style. Get out of here with that goddamn teary bull. He crap. will not stand for emotion from his sons or anyone. Right. And then also at the very end of that scene, Hoss, old simple-minded Hoss, compares the girl to a horse they once found. Which is a high compliment coming from Hoss. He says, she's just like that scared filly we found that time. Well, now it turns out that the, the uh, nerdy uh, fay scientist uh, informs them that uh, uh, Samuel Clemens wrote a retraction of sorts about the wild man, except he, his retraction is basically to say the wild man existed but is now dead and is at the bottom of a body of water. And now more people are there to find a dead body of a wild man. Under a bottle of water, above a body of water, and the Cartwrights are still steamed about it. All right. If this, is, if this happens in every episode of uh, Bonanza. At a certain point, the story becomes so complicated that uh, you just kind of got to start, you got to break into a bit of a jog, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. 
The water pressure was uh, crushing the wild man. Oh, yes. They needed to get him out of there before he shrank too small. Oh, that's right. He was though he was going to shrink to the size of a boy or something. Well, then we learn that this Judge Billington, who's married to the chorus girl from the Traveling Girly Show, is running for office, and he is appealing to the common man, despite being quite obviously a city slicker. And now is when Samuel Clemens tells uh, the judge's wife that he once wrote a funny story about a bullfrog in Calaveras County. Some people might find that a clue as to who this Samuel Clemens in this episode Inter Mark Twain might be. Uh... And she turns out, she talks a lot like she's a real gold digger. She only cares about money. And uh, and then, uh, oh, this is where, oh, is this where we get introduced to the phrase sagebrush humor? The story of the wild man of Washu is just an example of sagebrush humor. I like that. I didn't really understand it until they gave us more examples later that were so funny. <laughs> yeah, that's just a bit of sagebrush humor. Uh, but now, now Samuel Clemens doesn't want to write about silly stories like wild men. He is has taken an interest in this judge and his running for judge. And I don't know why, but he's taken an interest in it. And he is going to write critically about the judge and take him down and make sure he doesn't win, which is important because it turns out we're going to learn that this, what those surveyors was doing on the Ponderosa. Uh. Is they was they was working for the rail company and the railroad wants to put a train straight through the heart of the Ponderosa, which is going to have the effect of uh like uh, cordoning off part of the Ponderosa in such a way as to where somebody could grab it. It's a land. It's a railroad track that is a front for a land grab for somebody to get their hands on some big piece of the Ponder. Rosa, and this was the kind of thing that the rail company wouldn't be able to do unless they had a judge who was in their pocket, which is what's going on with Billington. Whew. Oh, How's that dirty. for explanation? Yep. <sighs> it's it's rough, huh? And then there's a, and they, they find all that out by way of a shootout with some more trespassers that they're running off their land, and they shoot one guy in the shoulder, uh, which knocks him off his horse, when you are just that a good marksman, it was just a crease. Just a crease. It was just a crease. It was just a crease. When all you really want to do is remove a person from their horse, but not hurt the person in any way at all, you've got to be a real good marksman. And uh, to crease, uh, it's so thoughtful. To just a, it's very thoughtful. It goes crease, wanna... flesh wound, graze, uh, full bullet, kill. Yeah. yeah. So that's you're far away from a full bullet kill if you've just been creased. But it will take you off your horse so that you can be taken prisoner and provide all of the necessary exposition so that people finally understand what's happening in this episode. Uh, that is one thing that a crease will do. So, I thought they oh, should have. I thought they yeah. should have said when he said it's just a crease. I thought somebody yeah. should have said, "Well, then let's iron this out." That would have been some sagebrush sage humor. humor. Yeah. Oh, that's a real <laughs> sagebrush humor. <laughs> yeah, and that would have been a good line for uh, for the woman, because uh, I don't see any of our fellows, or Hop Singh. I guess Hop Singh does a lot of ironing. Yeah, I, oh, I'd love to hear that line in his comical d delivery style. And we're, we're getting toward the end here. 
They're going to fight off. Oh, okay. So now the Cartwrights are in a lot of trouble. There's railroad business, and there's warrants out for their arrest, and the Cartwrights are ready to just shoot it out with the law. But Samuel Clemens, who's come up to the ranch, says, no, the pen is mightier than the sword. Bull crap. And, uh, and, and he's, uh, they've got more articles making fun of this judge who he calls professor personal pronoun. Did you understand what that meant? I didn't understand why, what that meant. Well, he said it in the headline first and then later they explained it. So yeah. the joke didn't totally make sense, but <laughs> what he was saying was that the guy talked about himself too much. Is that sagebrush oh, humor? Oh, I see. That's just bad headline writing. Yeah, that's newspaper oh. humor. Professor personal pronoun is what you call somebody, whether he's a professor or not, if they refer to themselves too many times. Talk about himself too much. Okay. Thank you, Bartleby. Well, then we've got some business where the, the, the railroad guys, thugs, are trying to intimidate Samuel Clemens uh, to get him to stop writing these articles under the name of Josh. And then there's a uh, a man with a bag of, of silver or gold. Gold. Goes gold, to yeah. see the judge. And his greedy wife says, give me the gold. And she holds out her nightgown to catch it. And it rips her nightgown. <laughs> She's so greedy for that gold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah and then of, it tells you that it rips her nightgown. S- s- yeah. It rips her nightgown so much. They say you can see her bare feet. <laughs> which is which is a biblical term for genitals. Oh, that makes more sense. Wow. I would I guess Hop Singh would burn that nightgown if he were there. He would burn it. Lot, burn lot, it. It's in lot bad shape. From the Bible couldn't stop touching his daughter's feet. And that's what it means. He couldn't stop touching his daughter's feet. Oh my God. <laughs> so when people him. have a foot fetish, is that what they're really saying is I've got just a genital fetish? Yeah. If they talk about it in the Bible. Oh yes. see. Okay. So the Bible really gets juicy, huh? I'm I need to check that out. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never heard anybody talk about a genital fetish, right? That's uh, you can only fetishize parts that aren't genitals. I don't know. You, I happening? think everybody pretty much comes hardwired with a genital fetish. I don't know if it's a real kink. It's biological. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, good. I'm glad we settled that. Well, the ponderosa right is yeah. like a vagina that they want to stay. They want it to keep keep it clean. I agree with you. The ponderosa is a lot like a vagina. And they want people and, uh, off of it, and they want to stay in it. That's exactly what it is. They're saying, get off of my vagina. Don't drill in it. it don't, don't drill me. in it. It's nope. virgin territory. Oh. Don't you go drilling in my vagina for silver. If there's yeah. a fire, make sure you put it out. Make sure you put it out. That's right. That happened two times in this episode. Okay, now we're racing toward the end of this episode where now Samuel Clemens has written uh, another scathing article about this judge, and then uh, uh, people seem to be enjoying these articles and noticing them, and the judge is getting all mad. Anyway, Samuel Clemens gets away from these thugs by hitting them in the eyes with his hat brim. I've never seen that move <laughs> He's before. He's a real odd He job. just takes off his hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right, it was. It, uh, it's the thugs and then the cartwrights come into the newspaper and there's gunfire and now we get a shootout how long do we have to wait for a proper shootout 
in this episode. Boy, those, those fellas really know how to handle themselves in a shootout. The way they stayed so close together and exposed <laughs> to the fellas they were shooting it out with. That's what you want to do <laughs> yep. in a shootout yep. is make sure you're very close to each yeah, other. Yeah, present a smaller target. Yeah. If that's their right. Yeah. That's their American right to stay un, un, unprotected. That's right. That's it. That's called strategy, Bartleby. Now, all right, I'm going to play you the third and final clip of this episode I'm going to play for you. And this is when, folks, when you've been sitting there here this whole time going, huh, uh, bullfrogs and calabaris county, uh, something about this guy. Now is when we find out the big mystery of this episode that you never would have known. Here we go. You have to live on the Mississippi to know what it's really like. The way those big old boats come down the river, the leadsmen standing out there on the bow, taking the depth and singing it out to the pilot on the bridge. On a summer evening, it uh, has the sound of music. He's going into this reverie during a gunfight at the newspaper's office. Music. If you don't get that story finished, the only thing you're going to hear is a funeral march. Gunfire! still hear it. Mark four. Mark three. Quarter less three. Half twain. You hear that music swelling up? Quarter twain. Mark twain. <laughs> Look at Haas make short work of these guys. He j- knocks the guns out of their hands. Plays with them like rag dolls. And here we go. The gunfight devolves into hand-to-hand fisticuffs. Oh. Why do they have so many boxes? Joe, I got it. <laughs> you sure almost did get it, Mr. Clemens. No, you don't understand. I mean, I finally found my name. Wait, your name Samuel Clemens? No, Hoss. I mean my pen name, Mark Twain. That means river running clear, two fathoms of water beneath the keel. That's what rivermen call real clear sailing. Everything's pretty clear around here right now, Mr. Clemens. I don't know about that name, Mark Twain. I like the way that uh, Hoss finished off those guys there. He just he he just bumped them into one another, and that was it for them. They hit the ground. They the, their shoulders collided with one another's shoulders at such velocity that they were knocked unconscious. <laughs> That's what just happened. That's a miracle. It's, it's shock to the system. So I don't understand. He ends up being Hal Holbrook. <laughs> well, no, I don't. No, no, no. It's a, he's a, Val Kilmer. Here's the thing. Val Kilmer it's, plays him too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I just read a fascinating article <laughs> Me about too. Val Kilmer. <laughs> that was a riot. That guy's a character. I wasn't but, surprised uh, when he turned out to be Mark Twain. Because when he... What do you mean? Well, when he said he was from Missouri, I knew he had to be one of the famous people from Missouri. So it was either Mark Twain or Harry S. Truman. That's it. See, you picked up on another one of the little clues they put into the episode, building up to this big climactic moment where they reveal who this Josh slash Samuel Clemens really is. Yeah, this reminded and, me of the uh, usual suspects, the way it kind of unfolded there at the end. Yeah. When you find out yeah. who Kaiser yeah, Soze is, real- it turns out it's Mark Twain. Or like 
turn or like Christmas when it's like, oh, it's a star in the sky, and then three people go look for him, and then there's a (laughs) (laughs) or it reminds me of a movie I saw a long time ago called Uh called Superman, where at the very end of the movie you realize the two fellas have been the same person the whole time. Oh, oh, uh, uh, Clark Kent and Superman. Yeah, no, I never same, put that together. They're the same guy. Oh, oh. I feel it. Which, which, which Superman movie are you talking about? All of them. All of them. They're all the same guy. I don't Superman. Think I think a lot of the time. Superman Returns. Return of Superman. Superman uh-huh. again and again. All the Supermans. Yeah. I haven't seen them all, but my understanding is that there's certain ones of them where it's just Superman and you never see Clark Kent, and then other ones where you just see Clark Kent and you never see Superman. Uh, is that right? Am I right about that? I think you might be, but I find the ones that are about Superman way more interesting because the other ones is just a fellow reporting a story and pushing his glasses up on his nose. Yeah. Is all no, the President's I, I, Men a Superman movie without Superman? That's what it, that's what I'm thinking uh-huh. of. Yeah, that's right. It's a uh, it's Clark Kent and Jimmy Olsen are on the track of a big story, and uh, and at no time do they ever turn into uh, Superman because there's no call. And Lex Luthor was the president. Now I never seen yeah, it because it's a city slicking movie. I just heard about it. I read about it on Country Flicks. Yeah, well, I I accidentally rented it. I thought it was going to be deep. <laughs> I got confused. I just wanted to see that movie Deep Throat and Deep Throat is ended up there, watching I this think, right? watching this Clark Kent movie. Yeah, yeah, but it's not what you think. Well, uh well fellas and then you don't, you don't know what there, I think. Uh, yeah. Oh <laughs> no, you're right. I don't. Anyways, uh what are we got you now? guys gonna uh, have a shootout? <laughs> I wish that is I'll tell you that is one of the real problems of this this whole Zoom thing we're in now. I've been offended many times by people over Zoom and I can't do anything about it. I I I'd have to jump into the car and go over to wherever the hell they are. I've t- and I, if I I've been told if I try to shoot somebody through my computer all it's going to do is cause me to have to get a new computer. Yeah, and also if you're uh, going to do a, like a shootout or a duel on Zoom, as you can tell probably yeah. from this recording, there's a bit of a, a lag and we're not all synced up. So someone will get the drop on the other person and shoot them in the back. And then you have to have yeah. a lot of boxes to trip over while you're shooting people. <laughs> and you know you should shoot them in the shoulder because that's definitely the soft spot of anybody. They oh yeah, shoot them in shoulder. the shoulder. They drop their gun, and then they can reveal all the exposition you need to learn. <laughs> That's a good way to go about a duel. Well, it's frustrating. I hope that uh, soon enough, this this business they'll, they'll get their arms around this virus, and it'll all end so people can shoot one another face to face again or punch each other in the mouth. It's so hard uh, to have a gun and not shoot a loved one. <laughs> True enough. True words have never been said. Well, folks, uh, at the end of this episode, Samuel Clemens blows out of town. Why? We don't know. Uh, and uh, and uh, Rosemary Lawson, we don't hear from her again, and there is never a third fire. Well, I have a question about this episode. All right, let's hear it. Could you have made the whole episode without the main cast? <laughs> 
Could you have made the whole episode without the main cast? Samuel Clemens rides into town, uh-huh. meets a judge, hears about a land grab going on from the railroad, decides to write an article about it, gets in a gunfight with some fellows that work for the railroad, ends up writing a scathing article that includes some sagebrush humor that makes the judge look petty and weak in the minds of the townspeople. The judge loses the election, and Sam Clemens rides out of town a hero, and you never see the fellows from the Ponderosa at all. It's almost as though someone had written a pilot episode for a series about a young Mark Twain, and uh, they didn't pick up that show, and so instead he brought it over to Bonanza and said, I'll cram your characters into my story. That had a pilot written all over it. That was an origin story if I've ever seen it. Twain could be like Kane in Kung Fu. Oh, la da 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 Exactly. Well, you know, I I don't know. I'm no television historian, but it could be that this was the you know how Mork for Mork came down into the and told everybody to sit on it on oh, the happy yeah. days, back and then went pilot. off into his own show. Yeah, maybe this there was a spinoff of this that was just following Mark Twain around from town to town solving problems. Is Bonanza a continual series of rejected other show pilots? Every episode so far has been like they've just got a barrel full of unused pilots. And they're just throwing in the cart rides yeah. willy-nilly as supporting characters. Well, it was the golden age of Westerns on TV, so it stands to reason it was also the golden age of Westerns that didn't make it to TV. <laughs> I would have loved to see what happened next with that Lawson fella. The the lady, you mean? Oh, it, it turned out to be a lady. Yeah, Rosemary Lawson. Well, oh. the one with the wagon wheel in her mouth. Oh, I lost something in the middle there. Yeah, she was 10 feet tall and had a wagon wheel in her mouth. Just uh, like the horror but, uh, of Babylon was, that's the 17th chapter of Revelations. <laughs> yeah, I love that horror. Now, but I will also say, by the way, that this episode could have been, could have been done with just the Cartwrights. And it would have been four guys riding around on horses, getting yelled at by a Chinaman and uh, shooting and punching. And that would have been damn fine, too. And that would have left room to put out the third fire. Right. That's right. They would have had time to uh, pay off on the buildup of campfires that are uh, improperly put out. Is Rosemary Lawson just staying at the Ponderosa? Do we ever find out what happens to her? We expect she'll be in the next episode. uh, that's what I was going to say. That's a good transition to wrapping it up here because they will will in uh, episode season one, episode six, we will find out if Rosemary Lawson has become a part of the world of uh, the Ponderosa. There uh, now, part of what it means to be part of the world of the Ponderosa, like Hop saying, is that sometimes you disappear for several episodes, and then when you come back, it's not clear how they could possibly survive without you because you're their cook and you're their clothes burner <laughs> and you take care of the strangers that they find. Uh, so maybe she's not in the next episode, but she'll uh, pop up soon enough. It's hard. To, you never know what's going to happen on this show. It's a surprising show. Why did he burn the clothes? Well, I think Hop Singh is a horny old bastard. Once he realized this was a woman, he said, I don't want to see her with clothes on again. Crackle, crackle. So there was also, a third fire. Did, there was a third 
Oh, yeah! Hot damn, there was three fires in this episode. Good noticing. Wow. But did they explain, by the way, where the uh, where her dress good, came from? I'm sure they did. Noticing. That's probably good one noticing. of uh, Ben Cartwright's dead wives' dresses. I imagine that's right, right? Yeah, it's probably got I know. knife wound stain in it. Well, also, yeah. in, in the West, who doesn't have a closet full of dresses just in case? You know, you want to make sure you're prepared for every eventuality. Yeah, and in the East, they do too, but for a different reason. You know where I'm coming from? Here, 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 Well, here. women are, in, are interchangeable. <laughs> like you just, women are interchangeable. Yeah, you just put one in and then you put in another and they, they just do stuff for you. Like they carry the storyline or they go get water or they wear a dress and play the piano i did like i did like that moment where ben cartwright who had just met this woman who was staying at their house wearing his one of his dead wives dresses ordered her to go get drinks for everybody at one point (laughs) he just immediately said go get everybody something to drink i can't remember if it was drinks or food but he was just bossing her around like he'd known her all his life (laughs) Put yeah. it right in the well, place. Oh, it's so nice when you feel like you're already a part of the family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he had done her a kindness by putting her in the dress of his murdered wife. And so he, uh, after that, she owes him drinks at least. Definitely. Probably a lot more. Probably a lot more than drinks. Ooh. Well, at least, at I, least that's, a, that's another scene we didn't get to see. At least a, a reach around. <laughs> At he, least a reach around. Sagebrush humor. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, there it sounds like there's a lot of ways this episode could have been different. We could have seen the 500 people searching for the wild man. We could have seen Ben Cartwright getting a reach around from Rosemary Lawson. We could have not had the Cartwrights in it at all, or it could have been nothing but horse riding and shooting. But it it wasn't any of those things. It was what it was. It was this episode of Bonanza. Enter Mark Twain, and I think it was damn fine. Anybody else with some final thoughts on this episode they want to share with us? Observations? Any noticings? Well, it ends with Mark Twain exiting, so the title's confusing. Oh, that's a good point. Yep, I guess it should have been called Enter and and then enter and then right after that exit Mark Twain. Enter Samuel Clemens slash Josh. Oh, exit Mark there you Twain. Go. That would have been perfect. That's probably why that pilot never got picked up. Yep. I have a new wall hanging that's actually very similar to what uh, instruments were left by the the train company during this episode. It's kind of a, a modern oh. piece that can be put on your mantle um but it is just made out of um i mean it's mass produced in china but it says the beast uh-huh and it's, <laughs> okay it's, it, it just says that's it's it. in gold script and it's just good uh-huh. to have around the house just to remind <laughs> what is keeping your family together which oh, is the coming of uh, second so, so you can. It's the type of thing where the head of household might, from time to time, Do say, "You, you don't want to know what another word for sagebrush humor is." What? Yeah. Josh. 
Oh! That's why he was using Josh, because he was so focused on the sagebrush humor aspect of things. Oh, I'll be damned. And then he realized it was better to focus on a riverboat sailing free with two fathoms of water beneath the keel. <laughs> it seems that our host of this podcast has frozen on Zoom, so it's kind of like we've got we got free time <gasps> to take over the podcast. Oh my gosh! Should we talk about him? Let's. Well, I think he's a very good writer. Yeah, and um, I I like the oh, word. I'm back. Oh, there, oh, no. oh. <laughs> we wasn't talking about you or anything. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> we were talking about what a good writer he was. Who you? you. Oh. Yeah. What my poems and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. one of these days we're gonna do some poems on this show. Enter it, 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 Dalton Wilcox. <laughs> <laughs> That's what just happened. Well you were still uh, I, when uh, my internet kicked me off, you was talking about the beast and I just wanna get clarification. Is that the kind of thing where the head of the household will say from time to time, You don't want me to take down the beast? Is it like that? <laughs> is that the purpose of the beast? It's just whatever it is that it brings the family together in the fear of what's yeah. coming. But it's beautiful. beautiful. I think that's beautiful. It's in uh, yeah. a, it's on part stone and then also linen oh. and with gold inscription of the beast. It and looks really stone, casual, linen like and a, gold. A beach. It's got all three. Yeah, it could be in a beach house or a like a garden cottage or just look so good in so many different decorated environments. Beautiful. Well, check that out on lotsdaughters.com. And uh, you can also read Amy Sleverson's blog, which sounds like it's a, a real journey. And uh, Bartleby Mulcahy, do you have anything to plug? Uh, yes, I'm actually selling my sand paintings. Oh, oh are you? Yeah, Where can I got, we find those? Uh, they're on the internet if you just okay. look for them. Bartleby Mulcahy's Sad Sand Paintings. They're not sad. They're beautiful. There's one of two condors in front of a sunset. One of two seagulls in front of a sunset. There's another one of two thrushes in front of a sunset. They're beautiful. There's always two of them, sounds like. Well, no, your red-breasted robin is a solo artist. I see. Okay. Glad I asked. All right, uh, Mutt Taylor, people can find uh, the Journeyman's uh, album there on Bandcamp, Mountainous Moor. Is that right? That's all right. That's all I got to say. All right, good. Uh, oh, and people can go to our, uh, we're on there on the social media at, at Bonanas Pod. At Bonanas Pod. That's on Twitter and Instagrams. And uh, there's where you can ask questions that we will answer on Bonus Nanza. Bonus Nanas for Bonus Nanza, our bonus program on Stitcher Premium. How about that? All sound good? Have we taken care of all old business and new business? <laughs> Asked and answered. I'm, I'm 
to close the podcast. Seconded. <laughs> Seconded. All right. All those in favor? Aye. 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 All right. Well, the ayes have it. And as always, we do conduct this podcast in accordance with Robert's rules of parliamentary procedure at all times. <laughs> Folks, uh, thank you so much for joining us. We will see you next time for episode six. Folks, we only have 426 episodes of this show left to go, I'm sorry to say. But uh, we'll see you next time. So long. <laughs> Bananas for Bonanzas, brought to you by Andy Daly, with Maria Bamford and Matt Gorley. Theme song by Matt Gorley, with The Journeyman, which in this case are Mark McConville, Daniel Michikoff, and Wade Ryan. Special thanks to our gang on the ground, Josh Richmond and Shannon Locke. Bananas for Bonanzas, produced by Ryan Connor and Matt Gorley, and executive produced by Colin Anderson and Chris Bennett. We'll see you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.